לקוטי שיחי חלק טס זין, פרשס בשלח, שיחה בייז. We are learning לאילון נשמס רב יוסף בן יומן, בן רב מנשה קלטמן. In פרק טס זין, פוסל בייז, chapter 16, verse 2, of this week's פרשה, בני ישראל are a month after the exodus from Egypt, having experienced the miracle of the crossing of the sea, and the water is made sweet at Marah, and they find themselves in Midbar Sin, in the desert of Sin, and their bread supply is depleted. The Pasuk tells us, V'iloinu kol adas b'nei Yisrael, al Moshe v'al Aharon b'midbar. The entire community of Israel complained against Moshe and against Aharon in the desert. Rashi explains the word v'iloinu, and they complained, by explaining the reason for the complaint. L'fi she'kolo ha'lechem. because their bread was depleted. In the next verse, the Torah tells us why they complained. Vayemru aleihem b'nei Yisrael, miyitein musenu biyad Hashem be'eretz Mitzrayim. They said to them, if only we had died by the hand of God in the land of Egypt. B'shivteinu al sir ha'bosar ba'achleinu lechem l'seiva. When we had what to eat, we sat by pots of meat and ate bread to satiation. Instead, you brought us out into this desert to kill us all by starvation. The next verse, Pasuk Dalet, Hashem says to Moshe, Hinini mamtir lochem lechem min hashamayim, I will cause heavenly bread, in other words, man, to rain down for you. And the people will go out daily and gather what they need for that day. Pasuke, verse 5, continues with Hashem saying that on the sixth day, what they gather will be doubled of what they collected every other day. And so in Pasuk Vav, Moshe and Aaron now tell the nation, Erev, v'yedatem ki Hashem hitzi eschem me'eretz Mitzrayim. In the evening you will know that not we brought you out, as Rashi explains, but it was Hashem who brought you out of Egypt. And furthermore, says Rashi, Hashem will send the quail to fly to you. Pasuk Zayin, verse 7, reads, Uvoiker, Moshe and Aaron are continuing to speak, Uvoiker, Uriisem es kveid Hashem, B'shamay es klunay seichem al Hashem. And in the morning, you'll see the glory of God in his response to your complaint, for he heard your complaints. V'nachnu ma kisolinu aleinu. But of what significance are we, who are we for you to complain against? It's most surprising when we look at Rashi to see that Rashi explains the same thing twice. First, in Pasuk Zayin, and then in the verse that follows in Pasuk Ches, repeating a portion of his previous explanation in detail. 
in response to the complaint of the people when they say, if only we had died in Egypt, eating meat and bread till we were full. And Moshe and Aaron's answer, Rashi explains, Kach Omar Lohem, this is what was said to them. In the evening you'll know, says Rashi, that the ability to give you what you desire is in God's hands, and he will give you meat. Ach, however, it will not be given to you with a luminous countenance. Because you asked for this improperly, and you asked despite having full bellies. But the bread that you asked for, out of necessity, will come down to you in the morning, and you will see, the glory of Hashem's luminous countenance. For this will be brought down to you lovingly in the morning when you have time to prepare it. And it will be, says Rashi, as though it is lying in a box with dew above it and dew beneath it. Immediately following this explanation on Posuk Zion, Rashi's next explanation on Posuk Ches addresses the issue again. The Posuk reads, V'yaymar Moshe, B'seis Hashem lochem bo'erev bosor le'echel, Moshe said to them, When Hashem gives you meat to eat in the evening, V'lechem ba'boiker, and bread to eat to satisfaction in the morning, because Hashem heard your complaints, that you complained against Him, continues the Pasuk, and what are we to feature in this, your complaints shouldn't be against us, but against God. After telling us that the Torah is teaching us the way a Jew should comport himself, not to eat an abundance of meat, Rashi again addresses why Hashem sent the bread in the morning and the meat in the evening. Their request for bread, says Rashi, was kehoigen, appropriate, because it's impossible for man to go on without bread. But the request for meat, says Rashi, was shaloikahigin, inappropriate, because they had, says Rashi, a lot of animals with them, and one can get along fine without meat. And therefore, Hashem sent the meat when it would be difficult to prepare at an inappropriate time. And thus Rashi concludes, so we see that Rashi addresses the way they asked for bread and the improper way that they asked for meat again, and that therefore Hashem sent bread that was a necessary food in the morning, and Hashem sent meat or quail at night when it would be difficult to prepare.
Why does Rashi repeat this? It would seem that perhaps the two explanations are addressing two different things. The first time Rashi is actually addressing why, when talking about the bread, the man, which would descend in the morning, the word used is uriisim, and you will see Hashem's glory. But receiving the meat is described with the word viyadatim, and you will know in the evening, you will know that Hashem took you out of Egypt. Because they were given differently, the meat, not with a luminous countenance, and the bread was given lovingly. What is explained in Rashi the second time Rashi addresses this is the time when each will be given, bread in the morning, when one has time to prepare a meal, and meat at night, when it's burdensome to prepare. But this answer isn't sufficient, however, as in addition to the fact that it doesn't address why Rashi reviews the details already mentioned in the previous explanation on Pasuk Zion, that requesting bread was appropriate, but requesting meat was not, Rashi in Pasuk Zion also addressed the time. These will be given, saying that the bread, which was an appropriate ask, will come down lovingly in the morning, when one has time to prepare it. Not only is the countenance of Hashem addressed, that the meat would come at night when Hashem's countenance is darkened, and the bread in the morning when Hashem's countenance is luminous, but also this difference between the meat and the bread, and when it was given by God, when it was burdensome at night and convenient to prepare in the morning. So we're left with our original question, why does Rashi repeat what he has already taught? Again, beginning the second explanation with the question, why was it that Hashem said the, sent the bread down in the morning and the meat at night? This is not, excuse me, as though this has not yet been addressed. Even if it was necessary for Rashi to repeat the explanation a second time, presenting it with this question of why, when Rashi actually just explained it, is really puzzling. Though Rashi repeats the idea twice, there are several changes in the way Rashi expresses the ideas. Why is that? Why does Rashi change the way he expresses some of these ideas, emphasizing different things? More specifically, there are some points that at first glance should really be written in the reverse order. Like the first time Rashi mentions God's Ponimeiris, luminous countenance, when giving bread in the morning, when it's convenient to prepare food, it would seem to be the right place to also mention the meat being given, but not with a luminous countenance, and at the evening when it's burdensome. Yet Rashi mentions that only the second time around. And there's something else. When there's a repetition, usually the first time it is told with all the details, and second time round it's abbreviated a bit. Yet in our situation, this is reversed. The first time Rashi explains, 
He abbreviates the explanation, saying, The bread you asked for, and bread is a necessity. When it came down in the morning, you will see Tiru Eskvayd Arpanov, Hashem's luminous countenance, because he will bring it down to you, Derechiba, lovingly in the morning. And regarding the meat, Rashi says, that you asked for it improperly and with full bellies. The second time, on the next posuk, Rashi elaborates and explains how these requests were made properly or improperly. Regarding the bread, Rashi adds, the bread you asked for rightfully or appropriately because it's impossible to get on without bread, but a request for meat was improper again because they had many animals, and furthermore, a person can be fine without meat. Then there is a third difference. The first time Rashi explains this, he explains the issue of the meat and then the bread, which appropriately suits the construct of the verse. The verse first mentions Bo'er of Basar, in the evening there will be meat, and then Velechem Baboiker, bread in the morning. But in his second explanation, Rashi reverses the order and speaks of Hashem bringing bread down in the morning and meat in the evening, and gives the reasons for this in that order as well. In addition to Rashi elaborating in the second explanation, Rashi brings this change in terminology. Rashi changes the connotation and significance of his words. Like the first time Rashi brings this explanation, we understand the words umikeres mleya to be an additional reason why their request for meat was inappropriate. In fact, commentaries explain that the words that their request was improper, is explained by Rashi to mean that it was an unnecessary request because they could manage without meat and with full bellies. Rashi means that they had plenty of animals with them. There was no lack, as Rashi indeed mentions the second time round. So we really want to understand these changes that Rashi makes. The first time Rashi explains this, it was an improper request. In other words, they could manage without meat. Rashi prefaces the fact that they had full bellies. But in the second time, Rashi reverses this and says they had a lot of animals and then says they could manage without meat. As well, the first time Rashi says, and they had full bellies, Rashi's exact words, you asked improperly and you have full bellies, indicating that this is also a primary reason why it's wrong to ask. But second time Rashi says they had a lot of animals and also they could have managed without meat, which places the second reason in a secondary and not primary position. Also, the words first time, umikeres mleya, with full bellies, just says that their bellies were full with no indication 
of what they are full with. Second time, though, Rashi specifies that it's because they had a lot of animals with them. To understand all of this, we need to explore the surprising way that the psukim, the verses, are set out. First, in Posukvav in verse 6, we learn that Moshe and Aharon told all B'nai Yisrael that in the evening they would know that it is Hashem who took them out of Egypt. Followed by verse 7, Pasuk Zion, and in the morning they would see the glory of Hashem who heard their complaints against Hashem. And then in Pasuk Ches, verse 8, again, Vayoymer Moshe, what will happen in the evening, Beseis Hashem Lochem, Erev Bosser, Hashem will give you meat, says Moshe, and what will happen in the morning, Ulechem Baboiker Lizboya, and bread in the morning till you are satisfied. Why are the verses divided into two separate statements when they're spoken to and told Ereviadatem, in the evening you will know, and in the morning you will see? Why not include everything? in one Amira, in one statement, which would sound like this, When Hashem gives you meat to eat at, in the evening, and you will know that Hashem took you out of Egypt. And when He gives you bread, so you're satiated in the morning, you will see the glory of Hashem, that he hears your complaints against him. Of course, sometimes a Pasuk will introduce something, an idea, and details will follow later in a separate verse. But it would be problematic to say that in this situation for several reasons. In addition to the fact that the second statement is literally just an additional few words to the earlier explanation and would obviate the need for an entire second statement, Torah is conservative with words. This suggestion that the one Amira is presenting a general idea first and the second following with details does not answer the question regarding the repetition of the words that Hashem heard the complaints that you are complaining against Him, and of what significance are we to complain against? Nothing is added to these words. They are seemingly just repeated. This answer also won't satisfy, as these two statements have to be two disparate statements, because in one, in the first, it says, Vayomer Moshe Va'arin, and in the second, the Torah teaches, Vayomer Moshe, just Moshe. The explanation for this all is that in the general complaint of the Jews that their bread had run out, God responds in two ways. One response is about their physical needs, what they do and don't require. They require bread, but not meat. The second response is regarding their spiritual status, which, in their complaint here, shows up as in need of repair. 
That's really the separation between these two statements and Rashi's explanations on them. The first statement was about Moshe and Aaron telling them, the nation, how Hashem will conduct himself with them so that their spiritual status and behavior will be bettered. Both Moshe and Aaron were commanded to take the Jews out of Egypt, and they were both responsible to guide them in the correct ways. The second statement is about Hashem providing the nation with their physical needs, and this was Moshe's domain, as Moshe was the Raya Yisrael, the shepherd of the flock of Israel, whose physical needs fell upon him like a nurse carrying an infant. So the first statement had no connection to bread or meat. It was about guidance and the moral correction of their behavior. Their complaints pointed to two opposing realities. On one hand, their asking for bread and meat was voiced as a complaint, which was so inappropriate. On the other hand, complaining to God spoke to their faith that Hashem can provide everything, and it is only Hashem who can provide everything and the one to ask. And each Amira, each statement was in accordance, each Pasuk was in accordance with one of these realities, addressing the two modes of how Hashem leads the Jewish nation. In response to the complaint, it would have been better to die eating meat and bread to fullness in Egypt. Instead, Moshe and Aaron took us out into the desert to die of starvation. The answer was, Bo'erev in the evening, you will know that Hashem took you out of Egypt. In other words, God will refute and invalidate the complaint and will show you that that Hashem took you out of Egypt and leads you in the desert. And in response to the complaint and demand that Hashem has to feed and provide for them, which pointed to their faith in God, the answer is commensurate to their faith. Hashem will show to you His glory. Which helps us understand how the words uvaiker or isem as Hashem, and in the morning you will see God's glory, suits the f- statement that it follows al Hashem. When God heard your complaints, that you complained against Him, it could seem most unusual that a complaint against God generates the privilege of seeing God's glory. Wouldn't the opposite be expected? But with these very words, Moshe and Aaron pointed out that Hashem indeed heard them. He heard their faith that only He, Hashem, stains, sustains all life. And therefore, Uri Isem is Hashem, you will see God's glory. Accordingly, we can now understand the difference in Rashi's two explanations as they are consistent with the two statements, the two amires, the uh, one of Moshe and Aaron, and then of Moshe. In his first explanation, Rashi seeks to clarify the relationship between viadatem and you will see, and uriisem, viadatem and you will know, 
and Uriisim, and you will see the two ways Hashem leads the Jews or the Jewish nation with the providing of meat and bread. Meat given specifically in the evening, and thus the experience of you will know, and specifically in the morning, Uriisim, and you will see when God gives bread. The complaints of the Jews, if only we had perished in Egypt, that generated a response of Viadatem, Ki Hashem Hitzi Eretz Mitzrayim, and you will know that Hashem took you out, was about a demand for meat, which was an improper request, resulting in Hashem giving them what they asked for, but not with a luminous countenance. And their request for bread, which was a necessity, stemmed from their faith that Hashem can and does provide for their needs, and hence the bringing down of bread in the morning Hashem, you will see God's luminous countenance. So even though they complained, Hashem provided their needs, appearing with a luminous visage. And this was, as Rashi explains, an expression of chiba, of love that they saw with the descent of the man, expressed in the fact that in the morning there was time to prepare it, and there was dew above it, and do below it like it was laying ready in a box. Meat, on the other hand, says Rashi, in simple words, will not be given with a luminous visage. And we're told nothing more about how they received that meat here. This meat, the slove, the quail, is not further discussed in that verse. The only detailed explanation, the only detail we needed to know was that Hashem was not happy. Yet regarding the explanation Rashi gives on the words in Posuk Ches in verse 8, Beseis Hashem lochem be'erev basar lechol, when Hashem will give you meat to eat in the evening, and velechem babayker l'soiva, and bread in the morning to satisfaction, talking about Hashem providing the needs of the nation. Rashi's intention here is to clarify the difference between the bread in the morning and the meat in the evening. These were given, Rashi teaches, in accordance of their importance or necessity, and this is how God fulfilled their requests. The bread, which was an appropriate request, Hashem brought down in the morning, in a time when preparing it would be convenient, and the meat in the evening, as Rashi teaches, when it is inconvenient or difficult to prepare. Accordingly, we understand the basic reason for the differences in the way Rashi expresses himself in the two times that he explains these psukim and the changes that are made. The first time Rashi simply explains the fact that the request for meat was loikehagen, an improper request, and the request for bread was a proper request, as the bread is something that man needs. Rashi does not intend to explain 
why only, excuse me, why or how the requests were and weren't appropriate. Bread is a necessity and therefore resulted in or isem is Hashem, whereas the request for meat was not, A, not appropriate and was demanded by way of a complaint and B, mikeres mleya with full bellies, asking for meat when your belly is full, brought God's displeasure and a darkened countenance. But the second time, when Moshe spoke, Rashi emphasizes the difference between the necessity for bread versus meat for a Jew. A request for bread is appropriate because one must have bread and a request for meat is inappropriate because they already had a lot of animals, a lot of behemoths, says Rashi. There was no reason to give them meat, something they had. Then Rashi adds, and also, They could get on without meat. In other words, even if they didn't have meat, it's not a tzorich, a need, and their request for meat is thus an inappropriate one, as a request for bread is appropriate. Let's look now at the reason for giving meat and bread at particular times. The reasoning behind these two types of bestowed meat, bestowals, meat in the evening when preparation is difficult and bread in the morning when it is not, is what the rest of the verse alludes to with the words, Bishmoya Hashem Estunaisechem Asher Atem Malinim Olav. When Hashem heard your complaints, that you complained against him. Bishmoya Hashem Estunaisechem is about the fact that Hashem hears and accepts the request of a Jew. And it's why Beseis Hashem Lochem Ba'erev Basar Ve'lechem Ba'boiker. Hashem gives meat in the evening and bread in the morning. But then, Asher Atemalinim Olav, which Rashi explains, not only do you complain, but you cause others too to complain when they hear you complain, speaks to a negative behavioral trait and is the reason for meat at night at a difficult time. According to this, we can say that this is why Rashi reverses the order the second time he brings the explanation. In the question that we think has already been answered, what was it Hashem saw, says Rashi, that he brought down bread in the morning and then meat at night? It corresponds to Bishmaya Hashem Eslunay Sechem. Hashem gave bread in the morning because he heard and accepts the request of the Jew. What we need, Hashem gives us. And when it is convenient to prepare, Bishmaya Hashem Eslunay Sechem comes first in the Pasuk. And then corresponding to Asheratem Malinim Olav, which follows, you bring complaints against him and your complaints cause others too to complain, a negative character trait that you spread to others, they were given meat at night. Reversing the order bread first and meat 
Second, Rashi's intention is to make very clear that Rashi isn't asking the question, What did Hashem see that determined that he would bring down bread in the morning and meat at night? Because Rashi has already answered this question in the previous verse. Rather, Rashi presents the question as though it is part of Pasuk Ches. How? And why? Because it suddenly becomes difficult to understand why was it that God sent bread in the morning and meat at night. The essence of that question is that once Hashem was responding to the grievances or the needs of Bnei Yisrael when their bread ran out and he said, Behold, I will send bread from heaven to rain down upon you, as we read in Pasuk Dalad, in, in verse 4 of this chapter of this parak, and there is no mention of meat at all there, it should have been immediate. Why did Hashem wait until the morning? And the reason for providing bread and for providing meat is that Bnei Yisrael complained. So if it's the same reason, why is Hashem delaying the bread to morning and then the meat to the night? Pasuk Ches provides the answer to this with the words, Bishmoya Hashem Sechem. There was a complaint that was Kehoyin. Bread is a necessity. And Hashem heard their need, accepted it, and would provide it in the best and most convenient time. But then the Pasuk continues, Asheratem Malinim Olav. And this is about a complaint for meat, which was an inappropriate request. And therefore, though Hashem heard them, the meat would come at night when preparing it would be difficult. Chassidus teaches us what Rashi's explanation is hinting at and alluding to. The difference between bread and meat, the slav, quail in this case, at an imminent level is that bread represents the revealed Torah, nigla de Torah, and slav, Quail, a genus of the bird family, and very fatty, represents pnimius hatera. The fat is the element of oil, which saturates everything, but is concealed within an olive and must be squeezed to be released. A reference to the innermost mysteries of Torah. The idea of oil, shemen, in meat, basar, is a reference to the imminent mysteries of Torah, the rosin de rosin de Eiraisa, becoming manifest in a manner of consumption, giving one the pleasure in the flavor of this level of Torah, as it becomes absorbed in Havana Vahasaga, as you grasp and comprehend this Torah. The mon, which became the bread in its descent, representing Nigla, the revealed section of Torah, is representative of Pnimius HaTorah, the imminence of Torah, as it's enclosed and manifests in the revealed sections of Torah. The Mon was Lechem Min HaShamayim, which became bread in this world. But the Slav, noted for its fatness, 
in its descent is revealed to manifest as Pneumius HaTorah itself, which helps us understand the difference between Mon and Slav. The Mon, even as it became a food source in this world, remained unlimited by the elements of time and of space. Therefore, the Pasuk tells us, Hamar bevahamamit whether one took more than he needed or less than he needed, he found he had precisely what was needed, how much he could consume. Yet, there was a measured amount that each man could take, indicating some level of limitation. The slav, however, came with no limitations on how much they could help themselves to. Nigla de Torah, the revealed teachings of Torah, are measured and in the category of limitation. And so we understand that even the level of Pnimius HaTorah, the imminent and concealed experience of Torah, found enclosed within the revealed teachings of Torah, has measure and limitedness. On the other hand, Pnimius Shebet Torah itself is the unbounded and unlimited experience of Torah. As well, in the differences between the man and the slav, the quail, even though the man continued to satiate and feed, again, the experience of Pneumius HaTorah enclosed in revealed Torah, continued to feed and satiate the nation on Shabbos, Shabbos being a time when God's imminence is revealed in Torah, its actual manifestation took place only in higher worlds on the day of Shabbos, and it did not fall into this world as bread on Shabbos. The bread transpired only on the weekdays. Slav, on the other hand, whose flow and manifestation as a food source, actually began on Shabbos, according to Rashi, more specifically in the late afternoon, a time that is uniquely associated and connected to Pneumius HaTorah. Hence, the request for bread, which one cannot live without, was an appropriate request. One cannot live without the revealed aspects of Torah, without knowing what he must be doing as a Jew and what not. But for the action to be done properly, one needs Pneumius HaTorah, and so they were given the bread from heaven, the man. But the request for meat, representing a request for Pneumius HaTorah, which was not an appropriate request, was not appropriate for two reasons. One, they already had a glut of animals. Rashi tells us this so we know that the demand was for animal flesh. The depiction of animal flesh is that the primary feature of animal flesh isn't its fat. It's rather its density and bulk, its materialism. The fat in this context, a reference to beetle. So the demand for animal flesh through the lens of chassidus 
is a demand to take Pnimius Atira as it's grasped in the intellect of the Nefesh Abamis, in the animalistic drive of man's intellect, where the godliness features less than the pleasure. And therefore God provided them with slav, less dense and more fat. The Rebbe explains the slav bird experience in the Nefesh Adam, the human life force, as the godly soul enclosed within the intellectual soul. The slav bird is the imminence of Torah as it descends and is absorbed in the godly soul. The slav bird is like Pnimius HaTorah, descending into intellectual consciousness of the godly soul and through the godly drive into the consciousness of the intellectual soul. Then there is also the idea of as Rashi says, the additional reason for why the meat was an inappropriate request. They could have managed without meat. This was because they were before Matantira, and there was nothing that necessitated the revelation of the mysteries of Torah. And for the experience of understanding and grasping the concealed and imminent level of Torah. In addition, as they were before Matan Torah, they were before the order of separation, or the cessation rather of separation of higher and lower worlds was made no excuse me. They were before the order of separation of higher and lower worlds was made null. And so Elyon could not bond with Tahtain the higher level of divine intellect, Pnimius HaToyra, could not descend, as such, into the intellectual consciousness of man, and certainly not into the intellectual consciousness of the animal drive. The proper experience of Tahtain, lowliness, and corporeality. Thus the Slav given not with an illuminated countenance, the light of the imminence of Torah could not be illuminated with the corporeality, the denseness of the slav. So at that time, the fat experience of the slav hid the shemen, oil of Torah, the concealed level of Torah, as it manifests in basar, in comprehension, and was bound up with the reality of a spiritual decline. Whereas after Matan Torah, particularly after the revelation of the Arizal and his declaration that it is now a mitzvah to reveal the mysteries of Torah and its evolution of revelations through Hasidus, particularly Chabad Hasidus, all have equal access through the Chochma, Bina, and Das of his or her nefesh to the rose de rosin, the most hidden aspects of Torah. The explanation that they could manage without meat, without panemius ha absorbed in the intellectual consciousness, and this was because this was a time before Matan Torah, is understood only according to the opinion that the Slav was actually received for a very short time. 
But Rashi makes no mention of a difference between the amount of time that we had the man and how long we had the slav. And so we understand that Rashi determines that the only time difference between the man and the slav was that the man fell in the morning and the slav came at night. And that the slav, according to Rashi then, two lasted for the entire duration of their journeying in the desert. Most commentaries are of this opinion as well. In which case, means something else. Rashi's statement, was specific to the generation of Moshe. Just as Moshe, with his level of godliness, answered them when they demanded meat, may I in libosar, what association do I have to meet? The generation of the Midbar, whom Moshe led, were a Dordea. They were a generation of superior divine consciousness who experienced seeing godliness surrounded by the clouds of glory and were of the sole root of the sphera of Machshava. So meat, the meat flesh of an animal, including the meat of the slove bird, was below them, it was beneath them. The experience of grasping godliness was for that generation a urida, a decline in their spiritual status. And thus Hashem said, Rashi explains that Hashem would bring the slav when it was difficult to prepare. They were on the level of re'iya in Eleikus. They were able and had seen godliness. Hasaga, just grasping, was a tircha. This would be introducing a difficulty in their relationship with God. On the other hand, latter generations, particularly our generation, the generation of Mashiach, the request for meat is an appropriate one, a very appropriate one. In fact, particularly through the service of Yafutsu Mainosecha Chutza, bringing godliness to the most far-flung place, bringing the wellsprings of Torah to the most far-flung places, and it's with spreading these wellsprings, the deepest parts of Torah, to the outside world and to the farthest reaches that we will leave Golos, Barachamim, with mercy.